Revelation chapter number two tonight. Uh, tonight we're going to look at the church of Thyatira, and uh, the, God calls them Jezebel's church. I, I was thinking about changing the name of our church. Jezebel's church, that's what we're going to call it, no. Um, so tonight we're going to look at Thyatira and uh, in uh, Revelation chapter number 2. Would you read with me starting in uh, verse number 18, and uh, we'll read all the way down to verse number 29. Uh, Revelation chapter number 2, verse number 18. And unto the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works and charity and service and faith, and thy patience and thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searcheth the reins and hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, and which have not the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put... Upon you none other burden, but that which ye have already hold fast. Excuse me, but that which ye have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works until the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I even as I received of my father. And I will give unto him the morning star. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto. The churches. It's significant, we're in right in the top of your outline to jump right in. It's significant that the longest of the seven letters is to the church in the smallest city, Thyatira. Like the other churches addressed in chapters 2 and 3, Thyatira was an actual local church when John wrote the book of Revelation. However, his letter has a message not only for them, uh, that's supposed to say but, but also for churches and Christians of all generations. And so, first of all, as we've done every week, let's look at the city. The city. The city of Thyatira. It is the longest, as we just mentioned a moment ago, is the longest letter to the smallest city. And that is because of what they had become involved in. Thyatira was about 35 miles east of Pergamos and was perhaps the least important of the seven cities from a political standpoint. We've talked about all of the uh, advantages that other cities have had when it comes to uh, political advantages, religious advantages, uh, ports and other things. But uh, unfortunately, Thyatira was not one of those places. It was a place that was not, uh, from a political standpoint, very significant. The same can be said of it in the religious realm because it was not the center of any kind of pagan worship. Historically, we know the next word is less. We know less about Thyatira than any other of the other six cities. We know less about Thyatira than any of the other six cities, which is amazing because the Lord writes the longest letter uh, to them. However, in the book of Acts, we find one of Paul's converts was from Thyatira. Acts chapter number 16, verse number 13, the Bible says, And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont 
to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of what? Thyatira. There she is. Which worshiped God heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. So, now we got we to gotta remember where we're at. We're in Thyatira. This is literally, as we mentioned a few moments ago in the Word of God, this is literally the place where Jezebel was, um, as, as it's referred to in the Word of God. And so here, in Acts chapter number 16, we find Lydia, a woman that God, do you see what it says, had opened up her heart, and that she attended unto the things which are spoken to Paul. Here, Paul is preaching, and Lydia is beginning to understand what's happening. And uh, of, course, of course, at Acts chapter number 16, she was not in Thyatira. Uh, she was hearing the preaching of Paul, and her heart was being opened unto it. And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. And then you fast forward to verse number 40. The Bible says, And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they comforted them and departed. And so here's Lydia, a a woman of Thyatira, a woman that uh, amongst a crowd of people that had indulged themselves in fornication, indulged themselves in things that were contrary to the word of God. And the Bible says the Lord opened up her heart. Which is a very interesting statement because I would dare say that all of us sitting in this room would say the same thing. That there was a moment in our lives that the Lord opened our hearts. You did have, you had that moment? You know that moment where, where, where you walked in and everything was kind of gloomy and you walked out and it, the, the, the sun was shining. And uh, because the Lord had opened up your heart. Now, the phrase, the seller of purple, means she was a merchant. This is actually very interesting, something I did not know, something that I, just in my research and looking and seeing that I found out about, and I, I found it very fascinating. Um, the phrase, the seller of purple, means she was a merchant who dealt in purple dye, which came from the matter roots that grew prof- uh, prolifically around Thyatira. So uh, there was a, a, a matter root that, that was there in Thyatira where they received their uh, uh, purple, their, their linen and garments, that anything made of purple. And she was a seller of purple. Now, an alternate source for the dye was murex, which is a shellfish from whose throat... Only one tiny drop could be extracted. Thus, this dye was very expensive. So Lydia, let me just kind of sum it up for you. Lydia was a businesswoman. Lydia was a businesswoman. She, not only was she a businesswoman, and, and historically, and I, I don't have any concrete biblical evidence of this other than to t- tell you about history, but historically, if you worked in this dye industry, you were very wealthy because it was in a very expensive dye. And, and, and people that, that dealt in that dye were wealthy because obviously uh, people are paying high dollar uh, uh, for this uh, purple dye. And so she's a businesswoman. So God, are you following me? God opened up the heart of a businesswoman. If we could fast forward, again, this is only historically, 
Lydia, we believe, was instrumental in the financing and the starting of the church at Thyatira. Just based upon the fact of where she's from, what she's done, and the journey that she took. And so this die was very expensive. Lydia was evidently a wealthy businesswoman who, upon returning to Thyatira, may have played an active part in establishing the church there. What does that tell me? This is what it tells me. That God is looking for people to use. That's what it's telling me. God is looking for people to use. He's looking for all kinds of people to use. He opened up the heart. He didn't, he didn't open up the heart of a man in, in, uh, under Paul's preaching, even though he did many of them. But he, in this case, he didn't open up a, uh, uh, the heart of a man to be a pastor. He opened up the heart of a woman, a businesswoman, to go and make a difference. And so I, I would propose to you this, is that if God is moving on our hearts, don't say, oh, that's not God, that's something else, because God doesn't move on our hearts that way. God does move on our hearts. He, he uses all kinds of people. I would dare say this, because if you read passages of Scripture, this is the only uh, uh, place that we believe historically that Lydia is actually mentioned by name uh, is in the book of Acts. And she's not a lady that was put in the forefront. She's not a name that's plastered everywhere. Some of you sitting here today might not have even ever heard of her. But God used her. And see, it's not all about the fame and the fortune of being known and who you are when it comes to who God's using. God uses a lot of people that are in the background. God uses a lot of people that, that we don't even know about to accomplish his business. And that's what he did at the church of Thyatira. Thyatira was also well known for its trade guilds or its labor unions. Uh, and it was because of them that believers in Thyatira faced bitter persecution. So Thyatira was a place of trade guilds and labor unions. So why were Christians uh, uh, persecuted there? Well, let me explain it to you. If someone wanted to enter into a trade or they wanted to advance in that trade, he or she had to belong to the, that particular trade guild. So in other words, uh, if you have a trade and you're good at it and you get in on the beginner level, you have to advance. You just don't walk in and be a manager. You just don't walk in and run the machine. You start out with sweeping the floors. You know what I mean? My father-in-law, he's a, how many of you know what a CNC operator is? Okay, see, he's a CNC operator. And he is a CNC operator for, I mean, all of his life. 16 years old, he learned the trade. He went in, you know what they told him to do? For the first, like, four years of his employment, his job was to clean the machines. He knew how to run them. He had all the experience or, or the training and everything. But because it was a labor union, you started at this position and then you worked your way up. The great thing about that was is that nobody could come in that was younger than him or less, uh, 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 you know, had less experience and come in to make more money than him. Does that make sense? Same thing it was here. In order to advance, you had to be in the trade guild. Well, this was a problem. And the reason is, is because, unfortunately, each of these trade guilds had a patron deity or a god and had communal meals that began and ended with sacrifices to their particular deity. And obviously, Christians were not going to be involved in this. And so because of that, they faced persecution. Since earning a living was difficult outside the trade guilds, many believers were tempted to compromise, that's the word, their faith. There were also false prophets there who encouraged believers to succumb to temptation. And we saw that in verse number 20. 
And so it was a difficult situation. Number two, the commendation. And we find this in chapter number two and verse number 19, the commendation. What were they commended for? The church at Thyatira. What were they commended for? What was God happy about with them? Well, he was happy about a few things. Unlike the church at Ephesus, which had left its first love, the latter works of the believers at Thyatira were more impressive than the first ones. Our Lord commends them and says this, the last to be more than the first. The last to be more than the first. What does that mean? It seems as time went on, they were increasing in works and charity and service and faith and patience. In other words, the church at Thyatira had made outstanding progress in many areas. They didn't just stay baby Christians. They didn't just stay sideliners. They didn't just stay people that sat on the pews. They were progressing and advancing. Now, I want you to, I want you to see the correlation here. Are you with me? Why do you think, this is where you get to talk back, why do you think that they advanced in their Christian life? Who said something? I heard something. Persecution? Why did they advance in their Christian life? You ready? Because it's the only thing they knew how to do. Because in the workforce, what did they have to do to make a living? They had to progress. They started out on the beginner level and they were, had to progress to try to make a living and get more and more inside their trade guilds. And so when they became Christians, the only thing they knew how to do was to progress in their Christian life. To get better at it, to, to succeed, uh, uh, to make outstanding progress. And I would say that as Christians today, that should be our challenge. Our challenge should never be to be excited and happy about where we're at. We should be wanting to constantly make progress as Christians. And that's what Thyatira had done. They were making progress as Christians. One of the things for which this church was commended was for its love. And that's important. It appears, though, that like many churches, the Thyatiran believers thought as long as they were loving, all was well. Well, love is a huge part of the Christian life, but it is not everything within the Christian life. And the reason that they thought it was all about love was because of the type of city that they were associated with. The city was, that they associated with was all about, and please my, uh, forgive my uh, forwardness, uh, but their, their city was all about sexual advancements. Their city was all about love in an in a, in a, in a immoral way. And so when the church formed, the only thing they thought was important is that we have Christian and brotherly love. But can I tell you, that's not the, that is a, a portion of our Christian life, but that is, should not be the only thing that we strive for. And so there was the commendation. The Lord was thankful that they were making progress and that they have love within their confounds. Number three, the condemnation. What were they con condemned for? What did, what did God say? Listen, this is working. Everything's good. But I have a few things, as the Bible says, against you. I have a few things against you. The church at Thyatira had allowed a woman, which called herself a prophetess, to remain in the church and to teach believers to indulge in fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Do we find any problem with that? Oh, you are still awake. Good. Um, we find any problem with that. Can you imagine? Now, I just want you to think about this for a moment. Can you imagine? And she's not in here, so I'm going to pick on her, all right? Can you imagine Miss Melissa getting up on one Sunday morning and going, okay, 
Let me teach you about fornication. Right? And then when we're all done with that, we're going to make a sacrifice. And, and we're going to, after we're done making that sacrifice and it gets all burned up, we're going to eat it. And it's going to be our afternoon meal. Which, if you go back to the Old Testament, you're going to find out that is an absolute blasphemy to God. Okay? So, here we have Jezebel, a prophetess. She has been invited into the church. And she is telling the folks uh, uh, the things immorally that they should be doing in their lives. I just, it blows my mind to even think about that. Right? And as much as it blows my mind to think about that, unfortunately, I'm afraid that we have uh, things that are being taught all across America in our churches that would probably line up very close to what she was doing. And we're disguising it with God. And that's what she was doing. She was making it sound good. She was making it sound okay. And they had accepted her. They had allowed her into the congregation. This woman had evidently been elevated to a place of prominence in the church because of her gift of speaking. And and this is what I would say to to this thought process here, is we as a church, and and I I say that collectively, uh, uh, we as a church have to be very cautious about who we place in leadership. Just because they can walk the, or excuse me, just because they can talk the talk, just because it looks good, just because it's pleasant, doesn't mean it's right. Are you with me? And so we have to be very cautious about that. You know, I, I believe with all my heart that, that and excuse what I'm about to say, but I'm just going to be forthright with it. I believe with all my heart the true colors will come out. And what happens is, is if we, we push people into leadership too quickly, we don't give time for the colors to come out. And so we have to be cautious about that. We have to know who we're putting in leadership. We have to know that we can trust them and that they have the, 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 the best for the church and they have the best uh, uh, motives for God so that they do not end up splitting and ruining what God has put together. That was my soapbox. We'll move on. According to Revelation chapter 2 and verse 24, a small group of believers saw through her deception. It will just happen. It will happen. But the rest either followed her, and this is where I'm struggling with this church because I I see this happening today. The, the, uh, The rest either followed her or just allowed what was happening. They didn't stand up. They didn't, they didn't say, no, we're not going to allow this to happen in our church. We're, we're, we're not going to stand for this. What did they do? They just sat by and just let it happen. And that's very dangerous too. It's, it's very dangerous when, when, when sin begins to creep into the church and corrupt the church. And all we do is sit by and watch it instead of address it. Are you with me? I know it's not an easy lesson. I get it. But the truth of the matter is, is that when, 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 when things have to be addressed, what should have been addressed in Thyatira, when things have to be addressed, we have to address them. I, I'm going to be honest with you. And you, you asked the leadership of our church, and many of you know this already. I, I, I see, and I, I'm a very black and white person. It, it, it's the word of God, and it's either right or it's wrong. And, and where I stand on it is if the word of God said it's right, it's right. 
There's no room for change. There's no room for compromise. There's no room for that. Because the moment that we begin to do that is the moment the enemy tries to get in and disrupt everything. And I don't know about you, but I don't have time for that. Because, because if I'm, if th- this is what the enemy wants. Let's be real honest, okay? What the enemy wants is he wants us to take away from the true focus. And if he can disrupt it and he can interrupt it and move it over here, then we're no longer focusing on what we should be focusing on. And guess who's winning? He is. And so what we have to do is we have to remain true to it. We have to remain straight to it. We have to align it with the word of God. And then if it doesn't align with the word of God, we have to address it. So the rest either followed her or allowed her to teach in the church without objection to expose her true character. I love this. The Lord Jesus just called her who she was, Jezebel. Now that's pretty serious. Now, if you've been in church any amount of time, you know who Jezebel is. Um, And we're going to talk about who she is in just a moment. But that's the name that we, I have not heard anybody name their daughters. You know, my wife and I were having children and we were talking about names. You know, Jezebel never came up. It just didn't. And uh, it's kind of amazing when you look at the Word of God. Because all three of our, <laughs> all three of our boys have biblical names. And uh, we started looking through the Word of God. And there are just some names that weren't on the list, you know. And uh, if you have a daughter here today, Jezebel's name is probably not on the list, you know. Because God called it for what it was, Jezebel. Now, that name speaks volumes about, uh, about her to anyone who knows the word of God. Jezebel was the Canaanite uh, of, the king, uh, of, of King Ahab, uh, who was the king of the northern kingdom in Israel. And uh, the Bible says in 1 Kings, just to kind of give you a backdrop here. And it came to pass uh, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the saints of Jeroboam the son of uh, Nabat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of, yep, that place, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. They served him and worshipped him. And he reared up an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a grove, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord of Israel to anger. Look what it says. Then all the kings of Israel that were before him. It's very serious. That's who Jezebel married. And that's what Jezebel was involved in. She was involved in with King Ahab. And they did more to anger God than anyone else because of the idols and the things that they were worshiping. Listen to me. If you look throughout the Old Testament, and I I really don't have time to go over this, but it's a very interesting study. You ought to go home and study this. Let me just give you your homework. You ready? Here it comes. There's two words in the Old Testament that you ought to study. Those two words are called high places. One day I'm going to preach a message on it. Um, and, and cutting down the high places. And what would happen is the good kings would come in and they would remove all the altars and all the groves and everything that made these altars beautiful. And they would cut them down and they would destroy them. And, and they would begin to serve God. And then they would either be killed, removed from their kingdomship or die. And the bad kings would come in and take back over. You know the first thing that they would do? They would build the altar and make the groves. And then somebody would come behind them and cut them down and then they would build them up again. And the Bible says that Jezebel and Ahab did more to kindle the anger of God than any other king before them. Now if you study that, you're going to find out that God's uh, anger was greatly kindled before them. And then it was either even greater, 
greatly and greater, more greater, whatever, kindled with Jezebel. Now, under the guise of promoting spirituality, the Jezebel Thyatira was advocating carnality and compromise while degrading holiness and doctrine. You ready for this? She had actually set herself up as a self-appointed prophet of God. Now, I'm going to be very cautious here because I know many of you um, are involved in many different things. And for that, I'm very grateful. But I want to be of a great caution to you. There are no self-appointed prophets. Let me say that one more time. There are none, zero, self-appointed prophets, okay? Um, As a matter of fact, the prophet in its most Hebrew sense, let me explain to you what a prophet is. A prophet had two jobs. He was either foretelling or he was forthtelling about the things of God. Because you got to understand in the Old Testament, they didn't have the New Testament, right? So, for instance, the prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah was receiving visions from who? God. Not self-appointed. Visions from God. And he was telling about the future. He told about the birth of Jesus Christ. He told about the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was a prophet that was foretelling or foretelling the things that were going to happen. There were other prophets that were foretellers. They were telling the things that had happened. Because you got to remember, uh, back then, they didn't have the cool printing presses. They didn't have people that, that had computers and, and email. They weren't, Adam wasn't sitting there going, hey, tell my friends this. Right? So there were foretellers and foretellers. In the New Testament, we fast forward. We begin to live the life of Jesus. And then John, in our, our passage of scripture that we're, we're studying in the book of Revelation, gets a vision on the Isle of Patmos to tell us about the future. Are you ready? Get this, because it's real important. Every prophecy that there is, is already recorded in the word of God. There are no new prophecies. Are you with me? Everything that I need to know that God wants me to know, he gave it to me. It's right here. So if somebody comes and says that they are a prophet and they have a new a, 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 a new prophecy from God, some new thing that's going to happen, I would tell you that we're in trouble. Because it doesn't happen that way. We have what we need. Now, what, let me, for some of you that are sitting there going, whoa, 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 pastor. Are you saying God doesn't talk to us anymore? Did I say that? No. I didn't say that at all. Matter of fact, I believe God talks to us all the time. Matter of fact, he talked to me this morning. Him and I had a conversation. He talks. But he didn't show up in my toast (laughs) to tell me anything new. Sorry about the toast. Um, 
He didn't. I am not a self-appointed prophet. You know what I am? I am nothing more than as the Bible declares in the book of Revelation, to those people that were in Thyatira and every other church, the Bible says, and unto the, what's the next word? Unto the angel of the church of Thyatira. No, I'm not an angel, okay? The word translated in the Greek means, do you remember? Messenger. I am no, nothing more than a messenger. Why? Because the message is already there. So I just want to caution you, as I get off this soapbox, that you do not allow yourself to indulge in anything or anyone who says that they are a self-appointed prophet or prophetess. Shall we move on? However, the New Testament teaches us that just because someone claims to be a messenger of God does not mean Christians are to listen to them doesn't mean that Christians are to listen to them. 1 John chapter 4, the Bible says this. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Are you ready for this? Here it comes. But, what's the next word? Try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Let me tell you this. And I would say this about anything that happens as I stand and preach or teach or whatever else happens here at North Point. Look at me. I will tell you this until someone puts me in a grave. Don't believe a word I say. You're fired. No. Um, Don't believe a word I say. Go home and see for yourself. See if I'm telling the truth. I'm okay with it. And if you want to call me and say, Pastor, you got it wrong, I'm okay with you being wrong. No, I'm okay with talking about it. I'm picking. Try me. Try it. See if it's true. Listen, you have the same Bible I have. The same inspiration that I have. There's no difference here. We should make sure that what we're being taught is true. I'm going to tell you from personal experience, and I love my pastor. He's in heaven now. I love him uh, above anything else in this world. He was one of the best men that ever walks on the face of the earth. Wonderful pastor. A great example to me. But I have to be truthful with you. There are some things that he had preferences about that I took as doctrine because I didn't try it. Are you with me? Now, let's be honest. I would go around this room and I'll say, what kind of ice cream do you like? It's your favorite. And do you know if we go throughout this whole room, we might get two or three people that like the same kind of ice cream. But more than likely, all of you are going to have a different kind of ice cream that you like. It's just the way it is. But did you know, no matter what kind of ice cream you like, it still comes from a cow? Right? The source is the cow. So here we are in church. We all have a church. But we can all have all kinds of opinions. And as my someone once told me, and excuse the crassness of this, but opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got them and they stink. The redneck's really coming out at me tonight. I'm sorry. 
You guys are doing the best to me. Um, Listen, my opinions do not matter. My preferences do not matter. Are you with me? What matters is the doctrine of the word of God. So we shouldn't preach preference. We should preach doctrine. We shouldn't preach my idea of how things should be. We should preach it from the word of God. And we should try to make sure it's right. Why? Because many false prophets are going out into this world. So any pastor that you're listening to. Whether it's on the TV, whether it's going to a revival, whether it's listening to them on the radio, whether it's listening to them on a podcast, whether it's listening to them online. And I'd encourage you to do it. Go listen to as much preaching as you want to. It's great. But make sure you don't just believe everything that you hear. Try it. It's important. Man, you guys got me on all kinds of soapboxes tonight. Number four, the command. I got to hurry. The command. What was the command? Referring to this Jezebel at Thyatira, our Lord says, I gave her space to repent of her fornication. And the Bible says she repented not. She repented not. A command had been given to this woman to repent, but she refused. She refused. This morning I was on the way to school. And for the first time in a year and a half, something happened this morning that's never happened before. I, we, we take our kids to Carrollton uh, City Schools. We headed down the bypass. We turned right. And I have to drop my uh, junior higher off before I drop my elementary children off. Carolina is the most wonderful pleasure in the world, said no person. <laughs> I'm sitting in line, and there's a lady. She's the director of the traffic right there when you turn. She is, in my opinion, and I know this because her and I have had fly-by window-pushing conversations. She is the sweetest lady that you could ever imagine. I mean, she is just a doll. And uh, she, I mean, she's great. She'll wave at you. She'll smile at you. She has a great demeanor. She's a morning person. God bless her. But I turned in this morning. And uh, the first thing I do when I turn in, I look at two things. I look at how far the person is in front of me. And I look at her. Because I'm looking to her to give me direction about what I'm supposed to do next. And I pulled up and there was a car in front of me. And uh, what happens is, is that it, it, it can happen. It blocks the lane to let the junior high parents out from the top of the uh, uh, parking lot out. And so she stops the traffic so that everybody can get out and everybody can go home and go do the things they need to do. Well, this car that was sitting in front of me, she put, she's got a blinking like light. And she wears yellow. You can't miss her. She puts her light up and tells the person to stop just like she does every morning. And this person did not obey. So she pulls up and blocks the traffic. I'm watching this thing unfold. I'm blown away. The lady walks over to the car. The person will not roll their windows down. She says to them in a loud, audible... Now my windows are up and I'm listening to the Joy FM. In a loud, audible voice, you have got to back up. I didn't move because I knew she was going to make them back up. So I left plenty of space for them to back up. I thought maybe they just didn't see her. I don't know how you can't see her. but She said, you've got to back up so this person can go through. The car didn't move. Now, she's got this wand in her hand. I think she's about to go ballistic on this car. And so... The car, she says it again, you've got to back up. 
Well, the cars in front of her proceeded. And so what did she do? She sped up and almost hit the lady. All right. Now, I can take so much. But she's defenseless and she's just doing her job. Oh, is she a policeman? No, when she's out there directing. Oh, yeah, when she's out there directing. Right, right. So I rolled my window down. And I said, morning. And I, this is what I did. This is no lie. I'd written down the tag number. And I handed it to her. And I said, when you're done, he's sitting right over there. She got this grin on her face. <laughs> this person just refused to obey the law. Now, I don't know if she has any authority or if anything will ever happen with that. But if all I know to be true, the policemen around here are pretty tight with those people. And so I think somebody's going to get pulled over for a broken taillight or something. <laughs> Refusal. Just a refusal. And I thought about that for a moment, and I thought, you know what? That's exactly what some people are like when they have sin in their lives. And God is requesting for them to repent. They know he's there. As a matter of fact, he's probably knocking on the window. Saying, repent. But do you know we all have a choice, just like that vehicle did. And if we decide to speed off, I want to remind you of something. That when that car took off, she still did her job. She didn't move. God is never the one that moves. It's we that move. We are the ones who get away from God. God is just asking for us to repent. But this Jezebel refused. Christ's judgment was activated not as, listen, not as much because of her sin, as serious as it was, but because of her refusal to repent. Sin is bad enough, however, however, our Lord is most upset by one's refusing to repent of the sin. We all have sin in our lives, but we just have to repent because that's what God wants us to do. No one knows for sure what the judgment of Thyatira described in Revelation chapter 2. That's supposed to say 21 through 23. Sorry about that. Was, but we do know it was very severe because they did not repent. I've got to hurry. Here we go. Number five, the comfort. The comfort. Chapter 2, verses 24 through 29. The comfort. Not everyone at Thyatira was following the false teachings of Jezebel. So our Lord has a special word of comfort to them. So not everybody had jumped on board. So our Lord has some words of comfort. Judgment and purging would soon come to the church at Thyatira. We don't know what that judgment is, but we know it came. The faithful members would probably be tempted to leave that church, but Christ asked them to remain till I come. Now that phrase, till I come, I, I didn't uh, talk about that phrase, till I come. Um, there's a lot of speculation about that phrase, okay? And so I didn't want to confuse anyone. Uh, you can go home and, and, and get your uh, dictionaries out and you can translate it in the Greek and kind of see what the Greek context of that is. Uh, there are many different beliefs about the till I come. Uh, the most logical explanation is, is that God would send a messenger to Thyatira that would bring judgment onto them uh, through God. 
uh, bring a pastor, bring a, a faithful leader of some sort uh, that God would use. Uh, and uh, that's the most logical explanation. But again, we do not know for sure um, what that is. This is where the, the, the uh, uh, waters get muddy with those that believe in um, mid-tribulation and uh, that believe in, in uh, 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 post-tribulational, the return of Jesus Christ, which we were very close to getting to in a couple weeks. And so um, the till I come, if you believe in dispensationalism, I know I'm throwing out a lot of big words, but some of you here uh, uh, know what I'm talking about and, and have, have, have had experience with that. And so, but I, I believe with all my heart, if you study this, this phrase, till I come, it has to do with the messenger. It has to do with the pastor that God sends to them for judgment, okay? Um, and if you want to talk more about that, I'm happy to do that. Uh, next, to the faithful overcomers, Christ promises to him, will I give power over the nations, verse 26. This promise is the fulfillment of Psalm chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, and clearly reveals faithful believers will join Christ in his rule. Uh, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the utmost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. This is talking about um, as we will rule and reign with Jesus Christ. However, it should be noted that the Greek word translated rule in Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 27 means to shepherd. Therefore, our rule will not only involve execution of judgment, depicted by the phrase rod of iron, but also the administration of mercy and direction, which is very interesting. And I know some of you have probably are contemplating many questions in your mind about that. Don't worry, we will get to it um, in a few weeks. Uh, Christ also comforts his faithful followers by saying, I will give him the morning star. Who's the morning star? Jesus. He's the bright morning star, the Bible says. Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 16. I, Jesus, sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. When Christ gives the morning star, he gives us himself. The phrase morning star also emphasizes the dawning of a new day. The days of Thyatira may be dark now, but the bright and morning star awaits the faithful overcomers. Overcomers is the last word, sorry. The faithful overcomers. Let us be encouraged today is the last thought that we can be overcomers as long as we embrace the precepts of the word of God and remain faithful to him. All right. Any thoughts tonight? Not only is he speaking to specific churches, but those churches could be related to people groups today or even doctrinal differences in, in church. Well, certainly. The, the, the letters to the churches were meant for the churches of that day, and certainly it was meant for churches and individuals today. And so you could talk about, you could talk about groups of denominations. You could talk about different groups of churches. Um, you could even talk about different generational eras. Um, and all of this is very applicable to those things uh, today as well as they were back then. Listen, time, the only thing that changes in time are the people in the faces. You understand that? As time progresses and life progresses, the only thing that changes at North Point Baptist Church is 100 years from now, if God hasn't returned, the only thing that will change is that you and I won't be here and there'll be new people. The, the issues, the sin, the things that are happening... Always have been, 
and always will be. And so when God wrote the word of God, it's applica- it was applicable then and it's applicable now. Why? Because we're still people. We're still facing the same things. And so certainly there can be a correlation there. All right, anything else? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's why it's important, uh, you know, in churches that we remain strong in the things that we believe and we remain strong. And when things begin to air, and go a different way, you know, it's okay to speak up. It's okay to say, hey, can, can you help me understand why we're doing the things that we're doing? Now, I, I would encourage you about this, not just because I'm the pastor. This, this would be any church. Um, that if there's something that's going on that you're like, wait a minute, I don't know that that's right. I don't know if that's, a, that's, that's a, the right thing to do or whatever. Probably Sunday morning after the preacher's done preaching uh, in the middle of the service is probably not the time to bring it up. Now, if you go to him and you can't figure it out and resolve it, certainly take it to the next level. Um, but, you know, the truth is, is that a lot of times, many things that happen in churches and many um, issues that happen in churches, uh, the reason that the issue occurs is because people don't know the full story. They, they don't know the whole truth. Because what happens is, is just a little bit happens, a little bit of leak. A little leak here, a little leak here, a little leak here, and then what happens? The pipe busts. If we can, if we can get the first leak and fix it, and the pipe won't bust, and the repair is a whole lot cheaper, and I don't know a thing about plumbing. Does that make sense? So if we got a problem, we're concerned about something or someone, then then certainly get it addressed. Don't allow it to fester, and don't allow it to become you know, all of this, and because nine times out of ten, it's just a misunderstanding. That's all it is. It's not a complete revelation of the truth. The Bible says, and, 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 and it's interesting, you should go home and study, and I don't know how we got on this, but you should go home and study the truth in the Word of God. Uh, that word truth, that's, that's an important word. And, and God is very, um, God is very uh, adamant that the truth is always told, and the truth is always revealed. And so in any circumstances, we have to make sure that we know the truth, not as it's interpreted by man, but as it is the truth. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, good. Anything else? Somebody want to come clear my soapboxes so we can go home and go pray. Yeah, I think I've built them up quite a bit this this evening. Um, Sunday. Let me tell you about Sunday and we're going to go home. Brother uh, Richard Comers, our missionary, is going to be here. Uh, the Jonathans are debuting um, their um, new, is it tenor? Would you call him a tenor? Lead. He's a new lead. Lead singer on Sunday. They'll be singing a couple of songs. As many of you know, Eric has stepped down from his position uh, with the Jonathans. He's gone on the road with the Neelands, um, and uh, he's driving for them. And so they, have, they now have a new lead singer, and so he's going to come in. We're going to be the guinea pigs um, for them on Sunday. 
He didn't say that, but I know the truth. Um, and uh, so that's going to be cool. We're going to get to hear that. Uh, we'll be like the first. You know, we love being the first, right? Um, and so that'll be fun. And then I'm going to, uh, Brother Comer will speak to us about his ministry. And then I'm going to preach to you the last uh, message in our I Love Sundays. And um, this Sunday, um, uh, the, the message that I want to preach to you uh, is something that's uh, happening uh, heavily within many people in our church's congregation, and uh, that is, um, you know, the idea of why does God allow trials to come in my life, and uh, why am I facing difficulties, and uh, why, why I don't understand all of this, and we're going to look at the book of James, and, um, you know, we're going to talk about how the church um, became instrumental in America, and it became instrumental, or actually in the world, and it became instrumental for one word. And you ready for the word? It's hope. That's the reason the church became instrumental, is because of hope. And people are still seeking hope today. And, and, and so I want to speak on the subject of, of bringing hope through our trials and through our tribulations and why that culminates to all of the idea of why we love Sundays. It'll make more sense on Sunday, I promise. But um, I, I'd encourage you. I know we've had many people that have uh, been out for different reasons. And uh, if you can think of somebody off the top of your head that uh, have been missing, that you've been missing, pick up the phone, call them, say, hey, you know, we're still having church on Sunday. And um, tell them to be here and encourage them to be here, uh, if nothing else, for the Jonathans, all right? And uh, that'll, be a, that'll be a fun day in our missionary and uh, all those things, all right? Thanks for being here tonight. And uh, keep everybody in your prayers that's going through difficulties. And I'll put a phone tree out tomorrow about um, the... Um, service for Cheryl's mom, and uh, you be in prayer about that, all right? Let's pray together, and we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. Thank you for a great night. Thank you for the Word of God. Thank you that it's still applicable to us today, and that we can continue to learn and grow. Lord, uh, give us a great rest of the week. We look forward to worshiping you again on Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless